HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Arts and Seizures. Once again, I have a co-host for the Ailing Mike Edison. This week I have Michael Malice sitting in for Mike Edison. Welcome, Mike. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Judy. Michael Malice is a New York Times bestselling author. That's true. And um, author of the recent book, which is not yet a New York Times bestseller, but I think it will be. It's a bestseller in Pyongyang. (laughs) Um, It's called Dear Reader, the Unauthorized Autobiography of Kim Jong-il. That's right. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for coming back. Thank you, Judy. I love it here. <laughs> That's because... Oh, you're not even eating the pizza today. But I'm on a regimen, which is what boys call a diet. Oh, right. <laughs> In search of abs. Are you going to show us the abs? Uh, when I get abs, I will show the abs. All right. And then I will lose the abs immediately because <laughs> it's off the bucket list. <laughs> and I pro- I'm sure my life will not be better in any way, despite months of work for no reason. What Are you, are you hoping for a six-pack? That's what abs means, yeah. So... Uh, when will you gauge that it's enough? Enough is enough. Uh, I'm four pounds away, so like four to six weeks. What if you lose the four pounds in your ass? I don't have four pounds to lose in my ass. I'm a white boy, <laughs> okay. although I'm pretty fly for a white guy. God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to welcome our guest this week, Paco Cow, international art star. Thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Paco is doing this this crazy psychological cocktail services at the Museum of Modern Art on February 27th and April 3rd. And there's talk of a third one, right? Because these two are sold yes, out. Yes, yes. Um, it sold out um, very, very quickly. So now we're programming a third class. So, so what can people expect? Like 
a psychological cocktail service. Like, tell tell me how you decide what drink someone should be drinking. Well, the first thing they will have a new way to consume cocktails because instead of ordering a cocktail from a, a predetermined menu, uh, they have to fill out a questionnaire. And depending on their answers, I will create a personal recipe for each client. But you don't ask, like, do you like fennel? What are some of the questions you would ask? Well, I won't tell you what I, what I'm, what I ask in my questionnaire because it's something that I only share with, uh, with my clients. Uh, but the questions, they are not very tough or very hard. They are very, sometimes they are very simple. Sometimes they are a little more unexpected and complex. And sometimes I, I use humor. So your questions are more to determine uh, a person's personality rather than what it is that their taste might gravitate toward, correct? Yeah, this is not about the mood that they have at that moment when they, they want to order a cocktail and they feel happy or they feel sad. It's beyond that because that's something that you can get in a regular cocktail service in a bar, be spoken, a mixologist that asks you how do you feel, what do you want, do you want something salty, something fresh. In this case, I try to be a little deeper and uh, I will ask questions that will give me clues to understand uh, the client's personality and to be able to design something that is my interpretation of the client's personality. It doesn't mean that needs to be um, exact, but mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it, it, this is what I think about them. And, I, and I'm very honest, so... Even <laughs> You're even, a bitch. You deserve like <laughs> not to act now. You say that to all the guests, Judy. <laughs> La- last time that I that I provide uh, psychological cocktail services in Spain, uh-huh. in a museum in Spain, M- Musac, this is the name of the museum, I had a complaint about a, about a client. A girl approached me and told me, I don't like your cocktail. And uh, I have a disclaimer in my questionnaire explaining that if you don't like the cocktail this is not my problem it's your problem <laughs> spoken like a true artist the customer so, isn't always right right <laughs> so I thought what you are doing is not bad in fact could be very good because if somebody that is um, being part of this project psychological cocktail services decided to participate and order a cocktail and they approach you telling you that she didn't like the cocktail maybe you're right Maybe you are understanding who this person right. is because who the fuck is going to tell you I don't like your cocktail? Right. A bitch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and... Even if you don't like it. <laughs> I mean, so, so, so you don't go like, oh, you are totally cosmopolitan. You are dry martini. No, because I don't work with, uh, with, um, with uh, conventional cocktails. My, my push is to try to give something that may be the same that uh, a regular cocktail, but I, I, I mean, I try to do something that is new for each client. So you work with a bartender. You aren't sitting there mixing them. That's the only way that I, that I will be able to, to, to create um, a service that is smooth and has the right rhythm because uh, my express service um, implies that, like, Imagine that 50 people arrive at the same time. Yeah. So it's impossible for me to create the recipe and at the same time to mix the cocktail. Right. It's usually a b- big detailed performance. You've got to mix so many, so many things. So I need somebody to help me with, uh, with mixing uh, the ingredients that I give. So what? What? I, oh, go ahead, Jane. No, no, go ahead. What I'm very curious about is I like cocktails. I like liquors. I like things that are kind of unique that other people haven't tried. My friend brought me some cherry brandy from Czech Republic. It was terrible, but I love having the bottle on my shelf. So what 
can you i want to ask you a few questions like i'll give you some liquors can you tell me what kind of connotations those have in your mind is that liquors okay? or yeah. the opposite or questions and, and i no. will and i connect uh the questions with the liquors or the opposite no i like if i tell you that i know someone who is a gin drinker what does that connote to you um gin drinker yeah will be um smooth will be deep thinker uh a little crazy and depending how this person mix gin could be very creative well he described me perfectly i'm sold <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad what about a beer drinker or a wine drinker beer <laughs> drinking is a, a a more basic uh creature but if if this person if this person uh relates or thinks uh like this person is connected with a let's say a, a volcano you can move from <laughs> beer to champagne yes. it's very easy to move from beer to, uh, to champagne so you can change completely your personality for being very conventional to be a little more sophisticated and snobby volatile <laughs> volatile yeah you're a writer so be, you know how to choose the word that would be correct actually <laughs> especially this week trying to buy an apartment how many times have i screamed at people so you're doing this also you're doing it at the museum of modern art in new york in new york which is a great gig. Yeah, I'm um, very happy to, to work with this great collection of art. So where in the museum are you doing it? And you're doing it in conjunction with a with their permanent collection. We have in, in the sessions, uh, the services that I will provide at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, uh, I, I divided the session in three parts. The first part is taking place at the main galleries. Mm-hmm. And I will be focusing on the avant-garde, European avant-garde movement, fifth uh, floor. And, uh, and I, will, I will start giving a tour on those galleries, talking about the importance of drinks, bars, and nightlife, in, basically in Paris, in the first three decades of the 20th century. And then we will move to Terrace 5, and we will have the second um, part of this session that will be an explanation about my methodology in terms of uh, the psychological cocktail services creations. And then finally, the third part of the session will be just devoted to, to make people enjoy a psychological cocktail. So we will provide every person that participates with a cocktail that fits their personality according to my interpretation one of the things i like you know i collect lots of different things and one of the fun things about uh cocktails and liquors is getting those unique ingredients that you know nobody else has and Ooh, that's very hard but th- that's the fun of it right you, i know <laughs> so wh- what are some of your favorite like you know hard to get liquors that you like to incorporate well at least um there's something that I know is that I take my business very seriously, so I'm always looking for new things. Uh, and I found out about a new rum that is produced, knowing the Caribbean, that everybody will connect rum with the Caribbean, pirates and, and um, palm trees, but it's produced here in the States. And, uh, and the name of this rum is White Rum, very high quality Prim. Prim, but non-proper. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I just, um, I got a gift from this, my friend's home health aide. She's from Jamaica. She made me this stuff called sorrel that they make every, um, like around Christmas in Jamaica. With egg? 
No, no, it's like a, it's like a fruity, it's a hibiscus liqueur. Okay. And so she she goes to the the part of Queens where there's you know Jamaican stores, and she buys this fresh sorrel, and she makes this liqueur. And now I see that there's some guy in Red Hook making artisanal sorrel. Like, have you ever made anything with this? No, not really. I'm not familiar with that. Do you, do you, do you like sweeter cocktails? Do you f- I do, yes. Um, first thing that I need to... Fi- well, one of the first things, not necessarily the first one, but one of the first things that I need to figure out when I create a psychological cocktail is uh, taste it. You can go with a sweet... Sour, uh, salty, or bitter. But I'm more sweet-oriented. It's more conventional in a way, but it's more tied to human nature also. Because sour and bitter relates with poison. That's why it's a little hard to take. And uh, in nowadays, because we are all perverted... So we don't mind. <laughs> what? <laughs> don't look at me like that. Yes, we are. I'm, I'm a virgin. You speak for yourself. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I'm saving myself for my marriage. Uh-huh. I mean, like sweet is something very easy to to consume. And I'm, 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 I'm more uh, a sweet person than a bitter or sour. What yeah. do you think of those uh, all those flavored vodkas that are coming out now? Should people who drink them kill themselves? <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily, but, but I possibly. prefer I prefer like raw liquors. Like I prefer like vodka, gin, tequila, whatever you are ordering. I don't need flavors right. because the whole point about cocktails is that you add flavors by your own. Right. So if it's already mixed, I mean, if you if you have like vodka that is already flavored with a uh, citron or with uh, or, or whatever, and you add a spoonful of caviar. I mean, it will be easier for you to do the mix, but it would be nicer to have like um, just a regular vodka and then to add the citrus. Yeah. Because that, that's what it what it's about, about cocktail. About cocktails, it's about mixing things. If it's already done, I mean... Yeah, and it's usually some sort of perfumey flavor that they add. It's not a real... It's not like a real... It's like candy. It's like how yeah. grape candy doesn't taste like grapes. Right. I mean, like I appreciate the effort, uh, and I like it because sometimes you don't have the time. But uh, but I prefer to to start from scratch and, and do the mix with uh, with real ingredients. What would say say you went to like one of these schmancy cocktail bars in this neighborhood or Williamsburg? Some guy with an arm garter asks you you your order. What would you What would your first choice be? Leave. <laughs> A fancy cocktail is nice once in a while. Oh, I agree. But I don't think he... Why would he be going to those places, you know, kind of thing? Now you're making me lost. Excuse me. Because you are talking... You are talking... You are talking... This is two people I'm talking. S- I'm sorry we're drunk. <laughs> no, you are not. Because you are drinking something that I won't publicize, but it's not alcohol. We are not going to publicize that. I had to go cold turkey off that. But tell me again. So, so I'm you going go, to a bar. You go to a bar where they can mix you anything you want. Okay. Are you going to be the pain in the ass who makes up their own drink, or are you? Gonna no, no, no. I'm very easy going. Okay. I, I, no, no, no. I, I, I try to, to make things uh, easy in life. So, whatever they have is good because I'm learning always. Since I started my psychological cocktail services, every time that I go to a bar, I'm learning, and um, and I'm very easy going. I can drink whatever they serve. <laughs> Whatever they serve is fine. What are the big faux pas that people make when they go to those kind of fancy bars where they make the fancy cocktails? What would you advise people? Like, don't do this. You're going to be annoying. 
Um, this is a hard question because I usually don't give advice to people. Oh, I do. <laughs> don't order anything with like a teeny unless it's a martini. Okay. Yeah. I will be the opposite. Order whatever you want and try to be nice with the person that is serving you. Okay. So don't be picky. Okay. So we're going to um, take a short break for a song that Joe, em- Engineer to the Stars, has selected. It's a drinking song. What do we have, Joe? So we have a little bit of bossa nova. I think that would be good drinking cocktail music. Um, I will find out the artist's name, but um, <laughs> okay, it's awesome, beautiful okay. music. All right. Thanks a lot, Joe. I know. I'm so helpful. Awesome. <laughs> we'll be right He's back with Arts and Seizure. <laughs> Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Nova break. Now, I, I wanted to get a little history lesson here uh, because I was under the impression that back in the day, cocktails were a way for women to consume alcohol and that men would stay away from them because it would be a threat to their masculinity other than a very select few that were acceptable for men to drink. Is that not the case, in your opinion? No, I don't have the same opinion on that because um, what I'm doing at MoMA includes a, a tour at the galleries. Um, focusing on the avant-garde, European avant-garde collection that they have. And I've been doing research on how uh, cocktails uh, evolve. And I don't think so. I mean, at the end of the 19th century in Paris, if we look at at a specific figure, uh, a big artist, Toulouse-Lautré, he invented this cocktail that is a mix of absinthe and cognac, and I think this is pretty strong. Oh, and yeah. nothing to do with <sighs> sweetie uh, staff or with girly staff. If we move to the 1920s and we focus on another relevant figure from that period, the uh, Spanish surrealist filmmaker Luis Buñuel, his favorite cocktail was dry martini, and dry martini is not sweet at all. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's the most masculine cocktail that you can get. I it's, think that's true. It's mostly a straight gin. So I like the, the fact that you bring out the, the gender connotation of cocktails, but I don't really see cocktails in terms of feminine and masculine. And it's still... 
I, I have the feeling that Dry Martini is very masculine right. and cosmopolitan, maybe a little more feminine. Right. I'm a big fan of fragrances and perfumes. And most perfumers nowadays, especially, maybe they don't want to limit their market, they insist that any perfume can be worn by both genders. But we don't. We know that's, that's, that's not true. Like if I'm a guy and I'm wearing a lot of, you know, rose, I'm going to smell like an old grandma. Maybe I'm trying to be, you know, transgressive or something. But there's certain ones I would say I would agree with you that I'll, the majority anyone can drink. But there's certain ones on the edge, like the apple teeny over here, and you know nobody should drink an apple teeny. Well, well, those people who uh, drink uh, why apple- not? Excuse me, why not? Oh. Because it's you're you're drinking something because you don't like the taste of a drink. You want it to taste like a fruit juice. You're just people who drink stuff like that in Long Island iced teas. Just are drinking to get really drunk. Wait, can I, let me guess your answer. Is he going to say that part of having a cocktail is the experience and there's nothing wrong with having the experience if, if it's a different for you? You need to explore. See? You need to, you need, yeah, ex- of course. And you need, you I'm need, basic here. And you need <laughs> to push your own boundaries. Why not? Right. And you can fail in the process. Right. And then what? A drink is a drink. It only lasts 10 minutes. And there's nothing wrong with having McDonald's once in a while, right? And that's not good food. So if you have a bad drink, it's still a fun, could be fun. No comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> hey oh, guys, come on, throw down. We have a listener question from a listener that I'm sure you will um, know once I ask the question. Is so it Jim Beam? It, it, um, <laughs> it's not Jim Beam, but um, um, our listener wants to know what our guest thinks about people who drink in the shower. Well... It depends what they drink on the shower. What about a Budweiser beer in the shower? They're alcoholics. I mean, is uh, that a sign of alcoholism? I mean, drinking on the shower is not only preposterous, but it's very <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> and you may end up thinking that you're drinking alcohol and you are just drinking pure water. So what's your preferred liquor to drink in the shower? Is it gin, vodka? <laughs> if I have to choose... Uh, Maybe champagne in the bath. I don't Ooh. think a shower is really a drinking... Champagne on the bath is... Um, John Collins. It's kind of a cliche, but yeah. it's a nice one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it always everywhere. Works. There are things that always work, and wor- drinking champagne in, on the bathtub is wonderful. Drinking anything in the bathtub is wonderful, yeah. as long as someone brings it to you. I've got a great question. You know, a lot. I, I'm Russian, so part of Russian culture is if you go to someone's home. Are you? Yeah, I was born there. Uh, when you go to someone's home, you bring a bottle of something, uh, you know, as a thank you to be a good guest. Uh, so if I'm bring, what would you say is the worst liquor to bring to someone's home in terms of the hardest it is to mix with other things? Like, what are hard liquors to work with? Some For, liquors are more versatile than others, I'm sure. I'm, vodka is... Is the liquor now? Okay. In fact, we were talking about martini, dry martini, and and history. I don't know how, but changed from from gin to vodka. Right now, most of dry martinis are are, are vodka based. So for me, like um, light white liquors like vodka, gin, are easier, like cognac. I usually just bring a bottle of wine. Yeah, and wine is always good. Because you can drink wine before you you move to cocktails. Or you can mix wine with something else. But cognac is interesting, but harder. And whiskey for me is also hard. Some people are very whiskey-oriented. I don't understand whiskey. Yeah, it's got a very strong taste, right? Unless someone's a fan. It's not only that it's a strong taste. I just don't understand it. 
it's hard for me to understand this 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 kind of liquor. Okay. So you don't put those in most of your. No, I do. Depending, do. depending on. I mean, again, I'm very honest. So I try to follow my own rules. Depending on the answers, I do the the cocktail. So if you are whiskey oriented, I will please you. If you are not, I will move in another direction. But it's not about my taste. Do you it's taste a- everything? No, I don't. You don't? No, but I guessed. <laughs> so it could taste like ass and you won't know. You'll just I don't just, think so. No? It's no, really, because in fact, that's the point about cocktails. Cocktails is about mixing stuff mm-hmm. and being surprised about the mix. You are very conventional, narrow-minded, um, and you like, uh, let's say, um, gym fish. I will mix something that tastes exactly like that, but you need to order it. And my, my service is, is beyond ordering something specific. Right. It's about risking and getting loose and trying to connect with an art project that will interpret who you are. So you need to be a little open. When a lot of your, a lot of your, um, the stuff that I've read about your thing has to do with ca- uh, cafe culture in Paris in like the 30s, 40s. Um, do you think that's changed now? I mean, it doesn't seem to exist so much in New York anymore. Well, in New York, people drink. Yeah, but... And in New York, people get together. And in New York, people gossip. And um, So do you see a similar thing? Like, uh, In a way, yes, because New York is a hectic city, very cosmopolitan, where many people arrive from many other countries. It's about having... Uh, interact with people and for me Paris in the 20s was like that I mean now we live in a very conservative society all over the world including New York the 20s in Paris was the opposite it was very crazy and was after the first uh, world war so people needed to relieve the the frustrations of the war and the the bad times of the war and that's why Paris at that time was so intense and there's a big difference between cafes in Paris and cafes in New York. In New York, you cannot drink an alcoholic beverage in a cafe. That's the big difference. Yeah. <clears throat> cafes in Paris at that time, they will serve you food, they will sell you alcoholic drinks. And it was um, a place where people get t- together, especially artists that live a bohemian life, and they, and they get crazy. But not only in cafes, in nightclubs, cabarets, and um, dance <clears throat> walls, music balls. Uh, I love the the idea of getting together in a place where you get loose, you drink, you dance, and you flirt with people. Where do you find that here? All over the city. What are some of your favorite? Sometimes places you don't need you to move from your house <laughs> if you if you you, <laughs> you have a party, party. <laughs> of course. <laughs> But how can you imagine, excuse me, the culture of cocktail is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And uh, and it's all over the place. I mean, you go to a, an art opening and you have a cocktail party. You go to a very conventional commercial business and they have a cocktail party. Yeah. So it's part of the way that we, we do, we socialize. What do you think of sommeliers are they your arch enemy or do you think they're like kindred spirits say it again please you know sommelier uh, a wine someone who recommends oh sommelier yeah, I'm yeah. sorry is that 
you know, sometimes English for me is hard to understand my, after 19 years. It's sommeliers, my accent. I mean, <laughs> they are, they are sommeliers. They are um, important in the same way that chefs are very important. And, um, and I don't want to be hard on them. But, but they are extremely snobby aspect yeah. that is fine because it's part of the ritual. But most of the times that I go to a restaurant and they and I order whatever type of wine that I order and uh, the sommelier comes and, uh, and asks me to taste the wine, I refuse. I do not want to, t to, to, to try to say I like it. I prefer you leave the bottle on the table, I serve my guests or I save myself, and if I don't like it, I will tell you. Wow. Okay. What if it's corked? I mean, haven't you it, ever had that happen? No, really. No, that never happened. And even if, if that happened, you need to feel free to say, excuse me, I need right. another wine. But the, the whole ritual is interesting but it doesn't match my personality. Yeah, I agree with and that. I mean, and I accept the ritual. That's okay. That's fine. I also don't like the upselling they do a lot. Yeah. Like, oh, you want the cheapest bottle? Because I, I always try to order the second cheapest bottle. <laughs> <laughs> well. And I don't like the fact that people are so close to you. Yeah. When you are, when you are eating or drinking, excuse me. Give me a break <laughs> and some space. So you're not a fan of them introducing themselves and sliding in the booth next to you? Not really. <laughs> I, I, I prefer to be surprised by the drink. Right. 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 Well, thank you so much for coming in. No, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I appreciate it. So people can catch you at MoMA if they can get in in February or April. But Unfortunately, we're, you are booked. We, fortunately. We, fortunately. Fortunately. Cha-ching. I mean, unfortunately... For um, for the thirsty, <laughs> exactly. Every, every artist should. Every artist for the thirsty. Yeah. No, for us, we are we are very pleased with the response, but uh, we are booked. Yeah. yeah, you can get on the MoMA website, um, the mailing list. That's how I found out about it, and obviously waited too long to buy a ticket. But the psychological cocktail services will be around for a while, so we will be able to please and to serve people in another venues beyond MoMA. And right. we can find you at Paco Cow. P-A-C-O-C-A-O dot com. Exactly. Or we can also... PsychologicalCocktailServices.com. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Michael Malice, for filling in for the ailing Mike Edison. Thanks. Get better, Mike. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.